being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. I'm Jack. Uh, You've probably gotten used to hearing my voice from now. As always, I'm joined by Alistair, but... The most amazing thing um, we've got today is our first episode of our guest series that we do uh, over the uh, sort of the break between the season. We have got guests that I have been listening to for quite a long time, and I know that Alistair has been listening to for quite a long time. Uh, One of the, I would say, um, Chargers podcasts to listen to is and most recently they've been picked up by the Chargers themselves and Woo! if that doesn't tell you how successful they are I, d- I don't know what is but please welcome and thank you for coming on the show Tyler and Steve from Guilty as Charged thanks guys what's going on not much man happy to be here thanks for having us on yeah super happy to be here that was uh quite the introduction both on your part and the video was incredible as well so oh. love uh you know love seeing those highlights obviously the the 90-yard touchdown bit from Philip Rivers. Love that part. So, uh, yeah, man, appreciate the kind words. Very excited to be on with you guys today. Yeah, Steven, I think everybody has a better intro than us at this point. I think, <laughs> I think our intro song is just whatever my friend made three years ago before the pandemic. And everyone else has this really elaborate, great design. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's working, so we'll keep it. Yeah. yeah I'll keep it. Oh, it's definitely working, guys. As I say, it's um, the content that counts, man. I That's guess. it. It's the content. Um, and as 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 I said in the in the just in my intro before, you know, I've been listening to you guys for for well over you know sort of a year, you know, almost two years now. Um, and so it's a real pleasure to have you, you guys chat with us because Appreciate our it. little Aussies down here, we tend to get forgotten about a little bit. Um, but there's a really really solid uh, sort of charges community that we're slowly growing um, on our end as well. So without much further ado, I think we're just going to get straight into. Um, some recent charges news and uh, maybe talk about a couple of the signings. Um, if we've got some time, we've got a really fun game to play, which is our famous Aussie Uh-oh. quiz, but we'll see if we've got some time there. So um, there, let's just talk about the charges 2023 release uh, schedule, I thought. Um, now, we've been the primetime prima donnas, primetime darlings. We've got six of them, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. That just goes to show the popularity of, of Herbert. Um, and the Chargers organization, which is fantastic. So Tyler, I might start with you. Um, we've got Dallas, Chicago, New York, uh, the, Jet, uh, the Jets, I should say, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Buffalo, among others. What is the game you're most looking forward to and why? It doesn't necessarily have to be a prime time, um, but we'll start there. Uh, it's definitely not the Chicago Bears game. That one I feel like is the <laughs> one on the schedule I can point at and say, okay, I think we'll do okay. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick, I'm looking for that Dallas Cowboys game. There's something about arguably the best position group for the Chargers being their offensive line versus arguably their best position group, their defensive line. You have Kellen Moore, quote-unquote, returning to play the Dallas Cowboys. You have Mike McCarthy. You know, what does his offense look like? It scored too many points before, so what does that look like now? Are they running it more? I have no idea, but 
that's an exciting one. Again, more primetime, more primetime Herbert. He's excellent in those games. You know, Prescott versus Herbert isn't the greatest matchup we could think of, but it's solid. Anytime we get Herbert on primetime, I'm feeling good. So that's a legitimately important game. It's mm-hmm. one that's after their buy. So if they have players that are currently injured that maybe haven't really ramped up fully, they have that buy. That could be JC Jackson's debut. Um, depending on, on Otito Igbonia, that could sort of be his debut. So a lot of storylines going into that one. Hopefully they're healthy and they're ready. And if the offense didn't look good the first four, first four weeks, maybe that sixth week against the Cowboys after the bye, maybe it looks a lot better. Who knows? So yeah. a lot of storylines going into that one and some very talented football players. Yeah, I, I love it. It's the Kellen Moore revenge game. And it's also a sneaky Quinton Johnson versus C.D. Lamb revenge game as well. Who's going to be the better receiver mm. in Kellen Moore's offense? I think that's an awesome mm. one. Um, Stephen, what about you? What's what's something? What's a game that you're looking forward to? Yeah, the Cowboys game definitely is one that we've talked a lot about. I think if you look at like the Cowboys defensive line, arguably the best position group in the NFL, right? Like it's just a stacked unit. So uh, Parsons versus Slater are going to be a ton of fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bills game for me is is kind of like the the headliner. Um, it's a little strange because it's on Saturday and the Peacock game and stuff like that. But um, that that's probably going to be the game that ultimately decides the Chargers' fate. You know, if they win that game, then they're probably sitting pretty. You know, in the playoff picture. If they lose, then they might be you know on the outside looking in with needing some help. So, um, super 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 important game down the stretch. Um, obviously, you get Josh Allen versus Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. the two guys who I think compare most favorably from like a physical standpoint and 100%. both sides trying to you know uh jockey for that like qb2 qb3 role in the league behind patrick mahomes so lots of you know great storylines and then again like you get von miller versus rashawn slater you know you get like tradavius white versus keenan allen there's a ton of great like individual matchups in that game too oh so, yeah uh importance prime time individual matchups i think it's just a, a ton of fun down the stretch what do you reckon, Alistair? What are you looking forward to? Hey, I don't like to look past week one and week one <laughs> against Miami. It, it has, you know, one week at a time. It has it has just those kind of revenge aspects that you love because you've got the Tua Herbert rivalry that the fans love. Fangio arrives, the kind of pro- mentor to Staley's protege. And, you know, the, you can make an argument that that roster is amongst the most talented in the league. I feel like people are sleeping on that team. And between McDaniel and Fangio, they're two excellent coaches. So I think that's going to be a huge start to the season. Um, and one that obviously kind of dictates how you feel as a fan. Everyone gets mm-hmm. so high if you win that first game. And if they lose that first game, the pitchforks will already be out. You can just almost <laughs> feel it on Twitter. Fire the coach and all of that. So it's really week one for me. Yeah, that's going to be an absolute track meet, isn't it? With the amount of speed that Miami have there. And Ooh. it's a little bit worrying that a lot of pundits are saying that our secondary is, you know, one of our weaknesses. So um, hopefully Staley can cook up something defensively there. I think for me, you know, it's very rare that we get to see Aaron Rodgers play the yeah. Chargers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the New York Jets. That's a, That's going to be a big game, middle of the season as well. Um, you know, you always think that a quarterback will take a little bit of time to acclimatize to all these weapons and things. And week nine, you're kind of thinking that the excuses for New York, depending on how they're going, will start to shift. Well, if it's not working, then it's it's going to be, it's a quarterback issue. So I think that we've got to really watch Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Carter. Geez, they're just absolutely loaded. 
Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers. I was previously, but Alistair is a big fan, so there's another rivalry between us two. But <laughs> hopefully, um, and, and Salah, I think, is one mm-hmm. of my favourite coaches um, coming from Shanahan from the 49ers. So, yeah, awesome. I mean, six primetime games, it's going to be, mm-hmm. w- what an awesome season. What an absolutely awesome season. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, five real primetime ones and one on Peacock. I don't even know. <laughs> Do you guys get Peacock? Is that a, I don't even know. Um, yeah, Sala versus Staley. Again, it's not defense versus defense, but they both came out that same cycle, and some people wanted Sala over Staley. Sala went to the Jets, Staley to the, to the Chargers. Neither team has had like great success yet, but that's a really good game for them. Um, one thing I do want to bring up is Steven and I did and almost confidently picked the Chargers to beat the Bills. I don't know if we were just really tired or wow. what, but by the time <laughs> by the time we got to that point in doing the game-by-game predictions, we were like, yeah, I think this is the statement game that they make to beat the Bills. What do you guys think about that? That's a huge... That's odd. <sighs> It's an interesting one because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's round 16 or week 16. Then we've mm-hmm. got Denver versus KC. You know, what are injuries going to look like? Is, is it mm-hmm. at home or is it at Buffalo? It's at it's home. home. If it it's were at, at Buffalo, home. I would yeah, 100% would have loss. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. I'm, I'm very confident. I picked us going 13 and 3 last year. So I'm going to jump on the train with you guys and say, yeah, let's do it. Let's do yeah, it go. because it could, be a, it could be a win. If we win that game, 17 and 18 might not mean so much depending mm. on how our, uh, how our win-loss totals look. But yeah, I love it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, you know, big arm hopefully throwing everywhere. What do you, what, what do you reckon, Alistair? No, I agree with you, Jack, 100%. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Are you all right? You just lagged a bit there, but I think we're okay. You're all right? Yep, we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> right. So a couple of signings that have happened. Well, one restructure, we'll talk about that in a second. But the Nick Williams um, from the New York Giants, the DT, big boy, 33, 310. Um, you know, plays mainly in 2022 in the B gap as a three technique. Let's not spend too much time on Nick Williams there, but I did want to actually throw to you, Stephen, and just talk about this, uh, this, this sort of defensive front. With KVN seemingly leaving, um, what's, how do you see the, the, the Chargers sort of defense sort of improving and building on what happened last year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's so unfortunate because I felt like watching film throughout the first six weeks of last season that their defensive tackle room was the arguably the best position on the team. You know, Sebastian exactly. Joseph Day was playing super well. Austin Johnson was playing well. Yeah. Morgan Fox was rushing the passer at a high level. Uh, he who shall not be named was kind of doing his thing, uh, you know, wrecking <laughs> things in a poor way. Um, but it was really like starting to come together. And then Otito went down and, and Austin went down and Christian Cummington went down. So it's it's a tough group to project right now just because of injuries, but it sounds like Austin Johnson's doing great. Um, so I'm really excited about the group's potential. Um, Tuli Tuipolotu, Scott Matlock mm-hmm. coming in. I, I was big fans of, of the selections after watching them. Um, but it's just a lot of ifs, right? Like if mm-hmm. Austin Johnson comes back healthy, if Otito comes back healthy, if Tuli hits, if Scott Matlock hits, then they should be solid, right? If those rookies take a little bit. If those other guys take a bit to recover from injury, it could be some tough sledding initially. But down the stretch, I definitely would feel pretty good about that room. And then I still feel like they would need one more pass rusher on the outside. Um, you know, I, I just don't love relying on a, a rookie and yeah. Chris Rumph, who have been who Chris Rumph has been pretty up and down as the guys behind Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack. So 
um, like I said, tons of potential. If everything goes well, then I think this is a, a really solid unit, but there's definitely a lot of question marks. Yeah, I'm yes. curious to see what they... Sorry. No, no, you got to tell it. No, oh, yes. <laughs> no you're good. Person uh, habit, for you're sure. You're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, used, to, used to talking after Steven, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I love it, love it, love, love it. it. Regarding Chris Rump, there was... I, I haven't exactly been, you know, the biggest fan from the beginning, but we're all talking about a player who is drafted on day three who's going to build his role over time. So it's not like I expected anything great early on, but um, Arjun sent us a stat earlier this week where the four-man front of Chris Rump, Khalil Mack, Morgan Fox, and Sebastian Joseph Day had a pressure rate of almost 70% when that four was on the field and a stunt rate of about 61.5%. So there's a lot that the Chargers, you know, maybe Rump on, and I'm not saying that Rump caused the pressure, but working with that rotation was very successful for them. and, And Staley feels like apparently that he can do a lot with that that particular four-man rotation if you filter for all you know rushes four-man rushes in the nfl above 11 rushes that's the second best pressure rate in the league when chris rumpf is there as the rusher as one of those four rushers now maybe it's higher if we have Khalil Mack and joey bosa the entire season and you can see more of those plays but chris rumpf was the guy that was healthy and out there um with someone like Khalil Mack. so yeah impressive there i'm really curious to see what they do in terms of the ways that they can deploy players like going from what i just talked about with that four-man front we just saw derwin james today at practice working with the edge rushes he did that last year too he's learning yeah. pass rush moves That's so from cool. joy bosa from khalil mack which is really really cool and yeah. i just you know retweeted something that i posted from week one against the raiders last year where it was him next to khalil mack and joy bosa on the other side and it was a sack because who's stopping that nobody uh and the raiders couldn't that game so i'm just in terms of the, the potential of the defensive front, there's so much that Brandon Staley wants to do. There's so many talented yeah. players. I just I can't wait to see what they do, and hopefully they can do it for more than two and a half games. Who would have thought, Jack? Rumpf is the magic recipe that can unlock it all in, yeah, the NASCAR, would, in the NASCAR package. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just I think the you know with the addition of Scotty Matlock and Tui Tua Pelotu. Um, and with Nick Williams as well, I get the feeling that it is going to be, we're going to be shifting that defensive line around from snap to snap. We're going to be putting bodies through, making sure they're fresh. And I think that's something that perhaps we don't need to then rely so much on Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa absolutely just pushing so hard, um, which possibly led to, to, to Joey Bosa's body breaking down over the past maybe three to four years, uh, which is wonderful. And the more we can get players like Rumpf and things involved and playing solid minutes to replace that KVN, um, that KVN production, that's awesome. Um, now, obviously, you both, you, uh, Steve and Tyler, sort of are, are with the with the charges now. Um, and the way that the Eckler deal is kind of spanning out is quite different to the way Australians perceive sport. In in in, in sport in Australia, there's a lot about devotion to one team and being a one club player, and it's mm-hmm. that's quite a big part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And sort of as, as as Australians on the outside looking at American sport. Th- we, I definitely find it difficult to sometimes think about a player that's holding out or not or wants more money but will still play but then will leave. And I know it happens in the NBA. I follow the NBA very closely and things. I might start with you, Tyler. Is What impacts do you think, if any, that the, the, the Austin Eckler situation has might have had on the locker room or anything mm. like that? Is it... Do you, as 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 Americans and, and following the charge, is it just business? Is is that is that what we kind of expect, and is that what fans expect as well? Um, but just some discussion around that would be really kind of insightful. 
Yeah, every case is so different. We can look at the Melvin Gordon situation very differently than this Austin Eckler situation. I feel like there is a time and place to be able to exercise the kinds of quote-unquote rights and things that you can do to try to get more money in the NFL. And I think that Austin Eckler, while it wasn't you know the biggest fan favorite move, of course, like you request a trade from your team, use that as kind of leverage. It's not going to be the fan favorite thing, but it was a reasonable thing. And frankly, for a guy to have 3,300 yards, whatever he's had the last two years, mm. 38 touchdowns, and to be paid you know, as much as he had, despite being mm. one of the most productive guys in the league, I understand why he would do that. So to me, yeah, you don't want to see a guy re- you know, request a trade and potentially hold out for more money. But generally speaking, I think it was fair. I understand why he did it. I think it was fair. And it ended up coming to a reasonable conclusion. So... Again, wish it never had to happen, but I understand why he did it. I think it was fair. Um, and the incentives that he got, I think, were fair relative to his mm. previous production. Mm. It'll be difficult yep. to hit, but it's something that he can hit outside of the Pro Bowl vote because <laughs> he's never hit that to begin with. And now some of the fan base is already split on him as is. So I think it was fair. I think it was right by the Chargers, right by the Austin Eckler. Um, I think he'll have a great season. And then I think he's gone next year. Okay, so you can't see any scenario, maybe I'll let you answer this one, Stephen, where the Chargers might find a way to keep Eckler around next year, whether an extension or a franchise tag situation. Franchise tag, I cannot see, because that's a fully guaranteed thing. You know, they 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 could make an extension work, you know, a long-term deal, because then they can, you know, backload the contract and save some money. Um, but from what we understand with, like, the negotiations is that he didn't feel like he was being properly valued from a long-term perspective. And that's before, you know, we even take into consideration like another 300 or another 150, 300 touches, whatever he's going to get and just adds that wear and tear on his body. So I, I, I'm kind of with Tyler. I I think there's an outside chance that they work something out because, you know, you bring up the Melvin Gordon situation, you bring up other holdouts, like, you know, these kind of things are so individualized now. And it, mm. it's a lot of like players go get your money kind of mentality. But Austin has said from the jump, like, I want to be with the Chargers for the long haul. I want to retire mm. with the Chargers. And I think his approach to this whole thing has really kept it from getting to that boiling point. And he also could have waited until training camp to do this kind of, you know, renegotiation with the incentives. So I think Austin has handled this as, as well as he possibly could. And, like he's not burned any bridges. The team's still very happy with him. I think the locker room is still very happy with him. Um, but I do think there it's more dicey long term for him on the Chargers just because of where they're going to be, you know, from a financial standpoint, as I'm sure you guys have have talked about. Yeah, it's just a. I think the Melvin Gordon comparison is a great one, and the contract there. You know, we talk about growth of an organization, and you know, Tom Telesco mm. and getting Staley in there, and even and even the Spanos. You know, they they have been growing every year, I felt, and developing a culture there that is very positive. And not to say that the Melvin Gordon was not positive, but there mm-hmm. were some there was some bad blood. And I think the way that the contract situation with Austin Eckler has, has sort of played out is positive. You said, Stephen, both sides are, you know, sort of know where they stand. They don't really want to burn each other. And I think that's a testament to how far I see yeah. from a from a fan, how how far we've come as an organization, how positive things are and the, the culture that, that Staley has brought. Um, and I think it's just a really positive thing if, if I'm being the ultimate um, 
I guess, glass half full, I think that's something we can glean from it as fans as well, which is which is really great. Yeah, um, I think you can also look at like the Morgan Fox thing, you know, with how that played yeah. out of yeah, how, you know, deal. in the past, you know, that guy probably leaves and, you know, takes maybe a discount. I think, you know, somewhere else maybe offers him some more money, but, you know, him coming back to the Chargers on a team-friendly deal, I think he understood that, Hey, like this is where I want to be. This is the team that I want to play for, and and some of that is the player, right? Like you know, there's certain players who will really kind of squabble over a couple million dollars when really it's like, what's the difference between leaving somewhere else for five million dollars and coming back to the Chargers for three and a half? Like, mm. so some players don't have that foresight, but I think Morgan Fox really showed how Brandon Staley has kind of made an impact on on the organizational side of things. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's it's great. You know, as a fan, there's no bad blood. Even KVN on Twitter was still quite effusive about the charge and said, hey, they didn't want me, but that's okay. They're a great organization. You know, Staley knows what he's doing, et cetera, even though he cops flack from all sorts of people. But uh, let's leave the yeah. Twitter sphere there because it's sometimes to be pretty toxic. Um, obviously, there's lots of voluntary workouts happening. We've got Bosa Slater, JC Jackson back. QJ is looking amazing doing that one-hand catch we saw the other day. Mm-hmm. Callum Moore's been awesome in front of the media. But let's sort of – we're sort of sitting at um, a bit of 20 minutes now, but let's move into there, our rivals. So, um, Stephen, you're going to be looking at Denver. Um, Alistair, you've got Las Vegas. And um, Tyler, you've got Kansas City. So I'll start with Kansas City, if that's all right, Tyler. Um, I'll just do a quick run through about what's happening there. It looks like we have got – where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Uh, there we go, Chiefs. Matt Nagy, <laughs> the old, uh, the old Chicagoan. He's gone from uh, QB coach to OC. Eric Bieniemy's gone to Washington. They've shored up that uh, offensive line with Jawan Taylor for eighty million on four years. They've got a Menahu. Uh, and it pains me to say they have our boy Drew playing <laughs> yep. in the middle of their defense there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's a bit harsh. You never know. He could come back like a boomerang. There's a good Aussie reference. <laughs> I know what that is. Is that on the quiz? <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, you know, they, they had a I, – I I'm not sure if they had as strong a draft as they did last year because I had them as one of the top three drafts in, in for 2022. Um, yeah, Tyler, what's what say you about the Chiefs? What should we be looking for? Any Any sort of analysis or comments? Yeah, one new tweet today from MidPJ. You know him as the Blobfish on Twitter. In the second half of games versus the Chargers, Patrick Mahomes had 116 dropbacks while trailing and only seven dropbacks while holding a lead, and yet he's 4-1 and one in those matchups. The Chargers have found a way to lose those games. Do we have to, do we have to bring that up? Yes. Well, you know, it's relevant. It's topical. Hey, you threw me to the Chiefs. So, you know, we could have We could have started nice. Yeah. 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 No, no. Uh, just rip the bandaid off. That's what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. That's um, Tyler's specialty. I love it. Thanks. Uh, the, the Chiefs are just, unfortunately, a very good football team that retained their nucleus, really, of all their, most of their great players, really all their great players. Andy Reid's still there. Patrick Mahomes is still there. Yeah, I would have thought for so long, and I think every year that I've been with, with Steven or with Boltbeat or whatever, is the Chargers are going to do it. They're going to win the division. They're going to win the division. They're going to win the division. And then last year was really like, oh, my gosh, they move on from Tyreek Hill. This is it. You know, Lombardi's offense is going to take a step forward, et cetera, et cetera. And then the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Like, this was the year I thought they were going to take off, and instead they win the Super Bowl. So 
unfortunately, you know, for me this season, I do have the Chiefs over the Chargers in the division, which is the first time I've had that. Same. Because at this point, what am I supposed to say? Like, I thought they'd get worse and they won the Super Bowl. Um, and unfortunately, that defense now that adds Drew Tranquil, that drafted Felix Enrique Uzama, they have mm-hmm. Cook getting better from last year, McDuffie better from last year. They signed a man who, like, their defense got better. Their front got really, really solid. They still have Chris Jones, who would be talked about as the Hall of Famer if Aaron Donald wasn't the better Hall of Famer in the future. Um, so they're, they're unfortunately a really good football team. I hate them. Um, I dislike them more than any other AFC West team. I hate the whole Kermit quarterback guy, but he's so good. <laughs> he's so, he's good. so good. And Andy yeah, Reid is such a ridiculous. good guy and such a good head coach. And Travis Kelsey is so funny. Like they're so likable and I hate them. So unfortunately, at, at though, what point, Tyler, is Travis Kelsey going to slow down? Last season, he had the most catches in his career, the most touchdowns in yeah. his career, second most yards in his career. When is this guy going to stop? Um, if the Chargers move out of the division, then maybe he'll slow down. <laughs> Otherwise, um, <laughs> no. Unfortunately, last year, Travis Kelsey got quite a bit. I don't know. I don't know when he's going to slow down. I figured at some point, like, he was the fantasy tight end one, whatever, in 2014 when Alex Smith was still the quarterback. Unbelievable. And you figure at some point this guy's going to slow down. And it's like, no, let's just have another career year. And at, when is that going to stop? It won't. They don't. They're just, <laughs> I, I hate how good they are. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Wow. I've got a question for you, Stephen, because I know you're the offensive line aficionado. He's, you're the version of our Jack who just loves the big boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, up front. Well, they've had they've had some turnover now at the key tackle spots. So it's mm-hmm. a complete change from what they had with Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. Do you think maybe that gives the Chargers a chance to exploit it, what could be a weakness? Or do you think they're going to be fine with those two new tackles? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this because they signed Jawan Taylor and it was initially like, oh, he's going to play left tackle for us. And he had never done that before. Um, And then it was like, oh, just kidding. Like, we're going to sign Donovan Smith. So um, I think combined, this is a step down for the Chiefs because I think Andrew Wiley was really, really solid for them at right tackle. Um, And same with Orlando Brown. I think, uh, in my opinion, not a Pro Bowl tackle, not a Pro Bowl kind of player, but a solid starting caliber player. So... Mm. Um, I think Jawan Taylor on the right side, uh, I think he's a really quality tackle, but Donovan Smith hasn't been really the version that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. So um, he was, I want to say, bottom 35 in pass blocking efficiency rating this past season for the Buccaneers. And that's with Tom Brady, who had a release time of like 2.5 seconds, which was like second (laughs) second fastest in the league, as Tom Brady tends to do. Um, So I think the tackles is a step down. Like I think We'll see a lot of Cleveland against Donovan Smith this year, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be a matchup that favors the Chargers. The The thing with that, right, is that Patrick Mahomes is the best in the league at avoiding sacks, and the Chargers have never really been able to get him down to the ground except for 2021 at Arrowhead when they were finally able to, to get him to the ground. So that's going to be the key thing that we discussed on the Chargers feed is, is they have to get Mahomes to the ground and get snacks in order to really be able to finish those games. 100%. All right, let's move into the desert, Alistair, to the failing physical rate. I'm sorry, no, the Las Vegas (laughs) Raiders with uh, Jimmy (laughs) G. 
Uh, Derek Carr obviously leaves for greener pastures in New Orleans. Uh, Jacoby Myers moves from the Patriots. Uh, Austin Hooper's there. OJ Howard they sign, which is a sneaky interesting if, if he can get his body right. Speaking of Travis Kelsey, they picked up at 35. One of my favorites in the draft, tight end Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is going to sort of shore up that edge for them. And unfortunately, Alistair, we just yeah. cannot escape him. We just cannot escape Mr. Tom Brady. Who knows <laughs> if he's going to play? Who knows? Um, any notes, any interesting things about the Raiders? Yeah, so the, the obvious one that everyone's talking about is Jimmy G, who signed this three-year, $72 million deal with two-thirds of it guaranteed. Well, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, he reports that, well, there's a waiver in that contract allowing the Raiders essentially to get out of jail free if he fails to pass relevant physicals. And Jimmy G had foot surgery in March and thus far seems like he is slower than expected to recover. So there is a possibility at this stage that the Raiders could decide to cut bait on Jimmy G, which would leave a threadbare quarterback room of Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell, who, look, he's a gunslinger and he was quite fun to watch at Purdue throwing to Charlie Jones. I liked a bit of that, but as a Chargers fan, I would be quite happy with him as the starting <laughs> quarterback on the other side of the field. Um, but I think the big question with this Raiders team, and has been for a long time, the defense has stunk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Patrick Graham did some good stuff when he was with the Giants, but we're yet to really see an identity on that side of the ball. So I might open up as a question to either of you, Tyler, maybe perhaps you first. Do you think this team's done enough on the defense? Because I think it starts and finishes there. They've got Tyree Wilson, but is this defense going to be better than 26th in points allowed, which they were last year? Yeah, maybe they'll be 25th, um, but that's really <laughs> not it, to be completely honest. Um, I, I think naturally the Broncos would even be better. So in the division, you've got two more games that should be more of a shootout for them or, or something. I don't know. Like my, my dad's a Raiders fan, and he thinks they're going to win four or five games. And so for me personally, I, I won't get any more optimistic than that. Uh, I see a lot of players that I like on that defense. I see a lot. I mean, I got Tyree Wilson, top 10 player, you know, I think top five on most you know analyst boards. They have a lot of really good players because Max Crosby is one of the best players in the league flat out. Um, and unfortunately, we get to see that every year, twice a year. Mm. I just don't know about their secondary, about their linebackers. I just don't trust that that group is going to hold it together. So, you know, they might score. Again, we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. But that defense is, is a significant weakness and by far the worst defense in the AFC West. Yeah, I think the way that the Raiders operated this season or this offseason was pretty confusing as like a, a standalone person, right? Because I think anybody can look at their roster and look at, hey, man, like your offensive line's pretty bad and your secondary is pretty bad. And they barely added to either group this year. You know, it was uh, McClendon Curtis was like their probably best offensive line addition and he was an undrafted free agent. You know, Duke mm -hmm. Shelley, uh, journeyman corner coming over from Minnesota to to start for them is, is puzzling. So it's just like, I don't understand what they're looking at. Like if you would have looked at the Raiders last season, the last thing you would have thought they needed was a $15 million receiver and a second round tight end because they had <laughs> pretty good weapons already. Yeah. So I just, I don't understand like what the goal is in Las Vegas. Like, are you guys trying to compete? Are you trying to tank for Caleb Williams like what's yeah, going on 100 percent so I just who knows I think they're gonna be pretty bad and we yeah. know that Jimmy G is gonna miss games if even if he is ready for week one so I just I think the Raiders probably end up like a three or four or five win team max 
And perhaps to end with a rhetorical question, I wonder if Josh McDaniels could go back in time to the, accepting this job or if he had mm. the choice to stay in New England, which of the two would he do? Because it's not looking too good. Well, he could well, just go back uh, there and, you know. Yeah, he could just go back there and run the offense. Who knows? <laughs> no, call the defense. Belichick. Do a reverse well, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, sh I should also point out that shout out, just as the Las Vegas desert is the mob's dumping ground for bodies, I believe the Las Jeez. Vegas Raiders is our, is the char is where they the charges go to maybe not die. That's a bit that's a bit uh, intense. But oh, yeah. Brandon, shout out to Brandon Faceon, who yep. is uh, who signed there for two years. Yeah. Uh, so... Anyway, mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a link. I thought I knew. I watched Casino the other night, so I thought I oh, very nice. Threw that in, yeah, great. Yeah, great who's movie. Joe Pesci in this situation? Uh <laughs> Tom Brady? I don't know. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, let's move on to. Well, should I say, let's ride. Let's ride on to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Sean Payton comes in. Again, we have another charges connected person in Joe Lombardi moving to be OC. Vance Joseph moves to DC. McGlinchey from the 49ers for almost 90 million is a good uh, protection piece for Russell Wilson. So has Ben Powers from the Ravens. They've definitely made the moves to shore up their line. Uh, Mims comes in in uh, from round two. And Drew Sanders, who was one of our favorites, Alistair, mm -hmm. um, as, as, as a leader in that um, middle of the defense there at linebacker. Um, Stephen, what say you about the Russell Wilson-led, Sean Payton-led Denver Broncos? Yeah, you know, they really uh, went all in on uh, fixing the run game. I think you look at, you know, the, the offensive linemen that they added, Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers, um, two better run blockers than pass protectors, yep. in my opinion. Um, you get Chris Manhurts, the run-blocking tight end from Jacksonville. Samaji P. Ryan coming over. Javante Williams supposedly looks amazing already, which is just baffling I mean, considering he tore his ACL like in week 12 or something like that. Um, so, you know, Sean Payton is going to come over and he wants to run the football apparently. So I think they're going to try and get back to, you know, what Russ looked like uh, when he was a young player with Marshawn Lynch and all those guys and just go really all in on the run game. So, you know, Sean Payne is he's automatically going to come in and elevate the floor of the Broncos offense, right? Because we saw that unit be downright abysmal. Like my favorite statistic, um, you know, throughout the season was that Russell Wilson had more toilets in his house than touchdowns. <laughs> uh basically through like week 14, because he had like he has like he has like 10 bedrooms or he has 10 toilets in his house and he had like nine touchdowns through eight weeks. Like it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but Sean Payne's going to come in and change things, you know, like he's, he's not going to put up with the same Russell Wilson stuff that Nathaniel Hackett was as a first time head coach. So it's unfortunate. Like you look up and down their depth chart on offense and you see a lot of pieces that you like. Yeah. I mean, Marvin Mims was one of our favorites and he's mm -hmm. their wide receiver four. like that would yeah, be, you know, awesome to have. So, um, I think they will be better on offense. Defense still will be formidable. So mm. it all just kind of hinges on what do you really mm. think of Russell Wilson? Yeah, hundred percent. Tyler, did you have anything to add there? Not particularly. I think Stephen covered most of it. It really comes down to me to that relationship between Peyton and Wilson. I mean, Peyton goes up to the media and they go, "What do you think about his office?" And he goes, "Yeah, we don't do that. We don't do the whole <laughs> you get your own office sort of thing." So, as long as things work out okay, or if they lean into the run game and that's strong, they'll be fine. I think and their defense is going to be really solid. But if personalities start clashing, and let's say, you know, the Chargers score a couple, or some teams score, be able to score a little bit. And suddenly Wilson has to carry the offense and Peyton's going, you're not doing what I asked you to do. Mm. You know, I, I got here 
and we're trying to do this and you can't do that for me. And they're kind of stronger personalities and two, you know, quote unquote, big names, big guys in the league, one at coach, one at quarterback. Things could also blow up for the, for the Broncos, too. So I, I agree with Steven that the floor is elevated, but I also see a, a potential powder keg sitting yeah. in the middle of that team. Yeah, there's just really quickly, there's uh, a lot of incentives built into Russell Wilson's contract this year and going forward. And so if he if they get to week 12 and they're, you know, five and seven or something like that, and it's just not going great, like they signed Jarrett Stidham for a pretty good backup contract like that might be something that we end up seeing them do and just saying, hey, you know what, like we've had enough of Russ, like we're just going to eat the dead cap and we'll see what we have in Jarrett Stidham. And then next year we'll do a, a whole other quarterback carousel thing. So just something to keep an eye on down the stretch of, of how the Broncos season is really going. Hundred percent. I think I agree that it's a powder keg, and I said it. I think Alistair, you noted that I said it uh, at the end of or the start of last year that uh, yeah. Russell Wilson. Don't know the fit there. Not sure if he's the right guy, especially with a first year head coach. Sean Payton will come in and perhaps slap him on the wrist a little bit and say, "No, this is what we need to do." Um, mm -hmm. But maybe, maybe he should be saying. Given that I didn't know the stat that he had, I don't know, 10 plus toilets in the session. <laughs> Let's ride. Well, he does speak a lot of fruit. Yeah. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, I know we've kept you for a little bit longer than, um, than we said, but do you have like two minutes to do the little Aussie quiz that we've put together for you? Yes. My first answer is boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> but all yeah right. we're good we're good to go yeah all right so again thank you so much for for your time there that was that was awesome conversations um right uh we do have a video uh thing from andy but i think we're gonna just miss that because it, it goes for a little long so sorry andy yeah. i know you put a lot of time into that but my first question is to you Stephen. Uh, I'm going to read out a statement here. One of the things in this statement is a furphy, and a furphy in Australia is called a lie, so it's not real. So the statement is, in Australia, a thong is a shoe, a G-banger is underwear, a schooner is something you drink from, and a drop bear can kill a human. Which one of those statements is a furphy? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go the the last one, the, the drop bear. Ding, ding, ding. Well done. Darn it. That, is the, that is the strongest start anyone has had uh, to oh, a quiz. So well done, Stephen. Yeah, so a drop bear is indeed uh, not, not a thing, but a thong is actually a shoe. A G-banger is underwear, and a schooner is the size of a, uh, a drink that you drink beer from, a glass you drink nice. beer from. Elster. I don't even okay. drink alcohol, so there we go. Yeah, there you go. Well done. <laughs> Uh, second of four questions you guys will be receiving. This one's a bit harder, Tyler, because unless you Great. follow Australian sport, <laughs> you may just have to guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> so which of these Australian sporting teams' outfits most closely resembles the colour palette of the LA Chargers? Okay. Is it A, the Carlton Blues from the Australian Football League? That's B, easy. the Melbourne Storm from the National Rugby League? C, the Fremantle Dockers from the Australian Football League, or D, the Parramatta Eels from the National Rugby League. Wait, hold on. What's a docker? Because in the, in the States, that's a pant. No, yeah. a docker is someone who works at the docks, kind of oh. around around ships. All right. That, yeah, that's that's your question, Stephen. Um, okay, well, we talked Find about the time to look it up in... on the internet. Yeah. I was doing you a favor. Yeah, thanks. No, I'm going to wait. No, I'm not looking this up. I'm going to get a zero out of four and be proud. Um, <laughs> in the States, we talk about, you know, States versus Australia. Um, we say that the answer, if you don't know it, you go with C. So I'm going with oh. C. 
It's D, I'm afraid. Oh, it is the it's the Parramatta eels. eels. Yes, the electric eels who wear blue. That and makes gold. sense. Chargers Trip. and eels. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that connection. That's a good one. Okay, so we're one of two with two to go. Okay. All right. Okay, so Stephen, this is from Andy, and this is a little bit of a history question. So during World War II, the US was led by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Australia had five prime ministers during World War II. Which, uh, which prime minister led for the longest? And the, uh, the answers are Sir Winston Churchill, Anthony Albanese, John Curtin, or D. Russell Crowe? <laughs> well, I know it's not the first one or the last one. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> if Russell Crowe was the prime minister, that, that would be quite a good feat for him. You know, that's a good resume builder. Um, if Arnold can do it, you know. Arnold can do it. So it's down, but it's it's either Anthony Albanese Albanese. or John Curtin. Yeah, I'm gonna guess uh, uh, the second one, Albanese. It is unfortunately John Curtin. (laughs) Anthony Albanese is our current prime minister. Ah, Uh, yeah. We look Mm. to Franklin D. Roosevelt with a lot of admiration, given Mm. that. Uh, we had five prime ministers that had to lead us through uh, World War II. Mm, mm-hmm. Goes to tells us a lot about our politics. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, and la- and last one to you, Tyler. Okay. Uh, hopefully, this is a little easier. Uh, well, actually, Uh-oh. I'm not sure if it is, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. Anyway, yeah. One. Oh, great! In the Australian guy <laughs> didn't know it. Wait a minute. <laughs> one animal in Australia is only is the only in the world to do a cube shaped poo. Oh, what is gosh. that? Is it a blue-tongued lizard, a tawny frogmouth, which is an owl, the bear-nosed wombat, or the ibis, what we call bin chickens? Interesting. What a question. Yeah. <laughs> Can you repeat that one more time, please? So there is, what animal does the, uh, the a cube-shaped poo, which is the only one in the world to do like a, it actually looks like a, like a Rubik's Cube almost. That sounds painful. Uh, <laughs> it does actually. Uh, you've got the, the blue tongue lizard, the tawny frog mouth, which is an owl. You've got the bare nosed wombat, or the ibis. A and a. It's actually the the wombat, funnily enough. So they're interesting because they're quite big wombats, so the bigger shaped. Yeah, yeah. I was anyway. gonna say I didn't. I didn't feel like it was gonna be like the chicken or the Oof. bird or the owl. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so so there goes the Aussie quiz. One out of four, and that's pretty damn good considering yeah. some of those questions. They are very yes. difficult. Horrific. Um, but <laughs> thank you both so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. And as I said, it's kind of a, for Alistair and I. It's a real um, almost brush with fame, should I say, to not lay it on too thick oh, with gosh. you guys. But uh, no. But thank you so much, um, Tyler. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at dinner later. No, I'll be um, at Tyler J. Shoon on social media. I think I'm at Tyler J. Shoon everywhere else. So yeah, that's it for me. And then of course, Stephen um, on that podcast that he's on, you know, that whole thing. And Tyler, uh, sorry, Stephen, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, Twitter is, is uh, at Stephen I Hagland. Um, and then podcast is at GZ Podcast 17 on all social media platforms. Um, although we do not use TikTok, so uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram mostly. We have a Facebook account, but don't use that one either. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, to all our listeners, these are the guys that um, we we get a lot of our information from from Twitter, and we love listening to your show. So give them a um, give them a give them a listen, give them a watch. Thank you so much. Enjoy your Friday nights, gentlemen, and um, we'll catch up soon. See you next yeah. time. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. See you guys. Well, what good fun that was, Jack. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that was awesome, man. That's, um, that's something you don't, we don't get to do very often, but in our second year, we're sort of getting a little bit more, I don't know, maybe people know us a little bit more and they want to come and have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was really, really cool. Awesome guys too. Fantastic guys. Right, so should we jump into our final segment, which is what we like to do every now and again, which is uh, give me those damn God's sake, just give me the damn number! Thank you very much. Who's that? Who's the actor that does that? That's uh, uh, Jeff Daniels from Dumb Jeff and Dumber. Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber. Cool. Uh, let's start with you, Alistair. We've got about 10. I've, def- I've got about 10 yep. each, um, but let's Me go too. with you. What are, some, what are some numbers you've found out over the last couple of weeks? One is rule proposal number 16A, which was approved by the owners and is in effect for one year. So this is a rule change that will state that if a kick returner fair catches... Behind the 25-yard line, the ball will be placed at the 25-yard line. And Rich McKay, who's the chairman of the competition committee, essentially said, the concussion rate on the kickoff play has gone up. It's gone up because the ball's being returned more by kicks that are being hung inside the five-yard line. The rule change is driven by health and safety. So now a returner can fair catch it in the field of play and get an automatic start at the 25. This is going to change strategy with kickoffs. Uh, Not great tying with the Chargers just having drafted in the fourth round a returner. But my tip, I think what we're going to see more of are kind of pooch kicks that bounce inside the 10 or 5 because you can't fair catch those and start at the 25. So that's one strategy, but that is rule proposal 16A. What's yeah, your first one, Jack? It, it, well, I was just going to touch on that. It kind of mm. feels like the kickoffs might become null and void anyway, given the amount of um, consternation and research that continues to go into concussion. So like any rule, though, the, uh, the, the NFL changes it and coaches find a way around it to, uh, to, to, to get an advantage. Yep. Uh, my first one, and all my... Numbers uh, brought to you by PFF, mind you. So uh, shout out to them. I did some research over on their website. Awesome articles that keep me going in the off season. Uh, my first one is 10.5. And oh. that is the over under number for Philly, which I found quite low for a team that made the Super Bowl last year. Is there a hangover? Is there not? The weapons on offense remain the same. Nobody in the league is better in the trenches, both offensively and defensively. They got 10 times better after their draft. There are a couple of weird spots that are maybe a little uh, soft, the soft underbellies in the middle of their defense. But man, 10 and a half wins in the NFC. You kidding me? I'm taking the over on that one. Yeah, bang the overs on that one, man. Yeah, bang the overs. So 10.5. All right, 784. That's the number of snaps Cole Van Noy played on the defense last year. We discussed that earlier with Steven Tyler. Uh, So we're going to have to find a way to make up for those snaps. Last season, Rumpf played just 113. So that's a shortfall of 671 snaps to find a way to make up between Thule, Rumpf, Bozer, or maybe another signing that's yet to be made sometime between now and the season. But that is a lot to work with and work through 784 snaps. 
Jeez, that's a lot. I didn't realise it was that high. I thought it was probably around 500. Anyway, mm. uh, my next number is 12. And it's 12 personnel. And the reason why I am looked, or I'm looking at 12 personnel is because the team that we have to play in week 16, the Buffalo Bills, took my favourite player of the 2023 draft was Dalton Kincaid. So they took him with the 25th overall pick, I believe, combined with Dawson Knox, who's another year into his career, who is a top tight end prospect in his draft year. They are going to be not only stretching the field with digs, they are going to be dangerous in 12 personnel. So Staley, start doing your homework to see how we can stop two big dynamic tight ends against Buffalo. Yeah, I think they're going to go in as one of the favourites as the best team in the NFL. The strength building on strength. This is a bit of a fun one. 69.2 kilometres. And for the US listeners, it's 43 miles. This is the distance that I drove with the petrol gauge on empty on my my way to Jack's in South Australia. I was looking for somewhere to stop for fuel and every town I passed, Tintanara, Kunalpan, Kumanduk, every petrol station was closed. Finally, I found a BP in this small town called El Wampel. And that ended what, for me, what I thought was going to end in catastrophe and me having to jog to the nearest petrol station. So 43 miles or 69.2 kilometers. Oh, and for listeners who might be tuning in for the first time, Alistair and I have known each other for, for well over 20 years now. That is the most Alistair Lloyd thing to do in the world. So, But you made it and we had a great time. Awesome so time. I really, I really appreciate you coming over. Uh, my next number is number one and with a question mark. And that is saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be the weapon that Lamar Jackson has never had as the number one receiver. I don't know if 2023 Odell Beckham Jr. is a true number one receiver anymore. 30 years old, he hasn't had a 100-yard receiving game since week six of 2019. So there's all this, you know, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm sitting there going, huh? Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. They paid him quite a bit too. I've forgotten, but it was not a cheap contract. Okay, that's weird. And you've got DeAndre Hopkins on the open market Mm. now. I wonder if that was a better option, but... Apparently, Nuke can hardly walk to some, according to some uh, pundits. So, yeah, I, I don't know if Odell Beckham Jr. is the X Factor and true number one receiver that uh, Lamar Jackson has been looking for. Yeah, they get Bateman back and they've got some weapons there and Mark Andrews at tight end, but yeah, weird, 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 weird. Hmm. Uh, this one builds nicely off something we spoke about with Stephen Hagland, which is. The D-line and last season, I I looked at PFF as well, Jack, to add some numbers to my list. 36.5 was PFF's run defense grade for the Chargers last season. 36.5. And if you look at the additions to the room, it's really Scott Matlock, Tuli Tuipolotu, and Nick Williams. So are you going to get that internal improvement through players being available? I don't know, but 36.5 won't cut it. And the defense's improvement can start and stop there in lifting that number. There we go. Uh, I've got two numbers. One is 28.4. The other one is 82.5. $82.5 million, that is. And that is the number for JC Jackson's contract. 28.4 is his season-long grade in 2022. Now... 
before people start getting to me saying that's unfair because he got injured, he still was not having a very good year before he ruptured his patella tendon. The hope is that we get him back and we have an elite cornerback room alongside ASJ and Michael Davis. But man, those numbers have got to get a little bit closer. That season-long grade of 28.4 needs to improve to at least when he comes back a 50 or a 60 yep. per PFF. Who knows yep. if they're people have differences in grades, but yeah. Come on, JC. I believe in yep. you. That's not like I hate you. Not at all. Um, come back. And we've seen we've seen that he's been doing some incredible things in the gym already. So yeah, fingers no. crossed. Come, come on, JC. Come on, big boy. A fun one. Number 10. I went back and listened to the audio of when Quentin Johnston was selected by the Chargers and his phone conversation with Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley. It lasts for one minute, 40 seconds. And he says, yes, sir, 10 times. So he manages to fit it in 10 times in that one minute. He's a very respectful young man. It's hard to know what phrase is more popular amongst the NFL players. Is it, let's go, or yes, sir. It's either or, but Quentin Johnson hit it 10 times in his intro phone conversation. Can't QJ. I've, I've warmed to you a little bit more. I did have a couple of jokes when we did our post uh, post-draft conversation with Kyle. But nah, that one-handed catch. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, baby. Give me Quentin Johnson. Uh, Alistair, I'm going to give you some numbers and you're going to guess what they refer to. Yeah, 4.32, 4.29, 4.32. What are they? They are the 40 times of the four fastest players on the Miami Dolphins, aren't they? Well done. Yes, they are. 4.32. For Devin A-Chain? A-Chain. 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 A-Train, A-Chain. Then you've got 4.29 seconds of Tyreek Hill. 4.39 seconds of Jalen Waddle. 4.32 seconds of Raheem Mostert. As I alluded to before in the earlier in the show, that is going to be a track meet. That is going mm. to be hard to stop. Tua, who knows if he can pass down the field, but even if he gets them in the flat, especially A-Chain and Mostert, they're going to be speedy. That's going to yeah. be tough to stop. Now, we didn't speak listeners before the show, but I remember that stat because a couple of weeks ago, I did the Asagai and how fast Miami are. So yeah, I got a bit lucky there. Maybe we'll end with two more each, Jack. How does that sound to you? Two more quick ones? Uh, I'm gonna... I've got oh, three. Oh, you want to so throw out more? Okay. Yeah, I've, I've got more. No, I've no, got I've got three. Let's go. Three more each and let's make them quick hitters. Get out of here under an hour. So I'm going to go with seven which is the number of Gerald Everett, who I think has become something of a forgotten man in this offense. He had the most receptions and yards of his career last season. And don't forget his last game where in that terrible wildcard round lost to Jacksonville, he had six catches for a buck nine and a touchdown. So I just want to give a quiet shout out to Gerald Everett and maybe he's going to have another good year to build upon last. All right, I'm going to Detroit and they are slowly... Or fast, I should, fast becoming one of my favourite places to watch outside of the Chargers. Uh, 17.5, and that's how many sacks Hutchinson and Houston the fourth got uh, when they played as a duo in only 17 games. You put Kaminsky, Okwara, and Pascal, or Pascal on top of that. Man, that defense is going to be nasty. Can Goff <laughs> take them to uh, anywhere offensively? He did last year. But man, Dan Campbell is doing a fantastic job. Give that man more coffee. 17.5. All right. Last two. Three. Number three, oh, two. 
This is the number of hairs by my count that Brandon Staley has on his chinny chin chin right now. <laughs> and I'm seeing a revenge tour coming. He's looking a bit like Keanu Reeves in John Wick, I reckon. <laughs> so that 27 and 0, maybe that's a bit like the thug stealing John Wick's car and killing that puppy at the start of a movie series. And we're now just going to go all feely and witness the wrath of Brandon Staley in 2023. Let's get it, Brandon. Love, love the beard. That. Uh, let's go back to the Porcelain Riders and the Denver Broncos. They put up the sixth worst, pa- sixth worst, I should say, pass rush grade of 66.4 and did very little. Randy Gregory was meant to be their big signing, but he only notched a 76.2 pass rush grade, grade on just 114 snaps. Yes, Zach Allen was added, but man, I believe Herbert is going to put up 66 points on the Broncos. Yes. There you go. Suck it. <laughs> And a last number from me, for a bit of shameless self-promotion, it's 890, uh, which is our current Twitter Twitter following. And just for the listeners, I want we want to thank you so much. Yeah. We've seen this kind of slow build and more of you out there listening. And it's just so exciting as we enter our second season to know that you're out there supporting us. Every little thing you do, whether it's subscribing to our YouTube channel, liking this video, interacting with us on Twitter, it's just awesome. And we're, we're having so much fun with this. So thanks to all the newcomers. If this is your first show listening, we hope you've enjoyed it, but we're very grateful for all of you out there. I agree. Concur. Last one for you, Alistair. I'm going to give going to give you some numbers again, and you're going to oh. guess what they refer to. 81.9, okay. 88.2, 92, 92, 91.8, 85.2, 77.9. What are those numbers referring to? Those are career PFF grades for Keenan Allen. Wow, you did a good job, but no, those are the quarter. Those are some quarterback ratings from the 2022 season. And weirdly enough, Tua 81.9, Hertz 88.2, Burrow 92, Mahomes 92, Allen 91.8, Jackson 85.2, Justin Herbert 77.9. I am going to say now Justin mm. Herbert wins the MVP of the 2023 NFL. Let's go season. And if that doesn't get you pumped up, I don't know what will. That's it. 57 minutes under an hour. Alistair, thank you so much. You noted before that uh, the only way we can do this show is by our wonderful listener listeners, and we have grown exponentially on Twitter the last couple of months. No thanks to, or should I say, no, that's not what I say. Thanks to your efforts on there, Alistair. Everyone, we've got Andy back soon Everyone, too. Andy's back from Europe as well. Uh, if you want to find me, I'm at TDU underscore Jack. You can also find me at TDU underscore, was it Chargers? I think that's our, yep. At TDU, Alistair underscore Alistair, at TDU underscore Andy. We will be coming back with some more guest series over the course of the next sort of month or so, which is really exciting. And then we get into the season proper. Anything else from you, Alistair? Nothing. Had a fantastic show and can't wait to have more guests and see more Aussie quizzes. That was awesome. I agree. Uh, Thank you so much, guys. See you later. This is goodbye from the Thunder Down Under Judges Podcast. Bye.
Good night! Good night to all!